The Burrito Radio Show is brought to you by 2B1 Entertainment. Are you in need of legal representation? Affordable at that? It is very possible with Legal Shield. For more information, contact Candace Howard at CandaceHoward.WeAreLegalShield.com. Again, that's CandaceHoward.WeAreLegalShield.com. Can't wait to talk to you. For over 100 years, San Diego Shade has been covering windows all over San Diego County. Whether you want roller shades, cellular shades, shutters, you're looking for an automated awning to go over your patio, you want some exterior roller shades to block the sun out, we're the company to go to. We're located conveniently in Miramar area at 7354 Trade Street. You can reach us on the phone at 619-287-8863. You can also check out our website at sandiegoshade.com. I look forward to covering your windows soon. Hummaday, 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 hummaday. Welcome back to the Burrito Radio Show. This is our last episode of the year 2020. It is December 30th. And we're out here on the West Coast, Ocean Beach, California. Uh, We're on a little stroll. Um, There's not going to be a guest today. I like to just call this new segment called Story Time. Uh, I like to tell a little bit of stories um, about some of my uh, background, as well as, you know, if I can find somebody else that has a story to tell, I can bring them on here and tell stories as well. But in the meantime... Uh, for a quick review about 2020, what can we say? It was one of those years that was very unexpected, especially uh, for those that really rely on what they call that, you know, that day-to-day grind. They don't have that, you know, that replenishment. It's uh, very unfortunate. And I, I'm going to say personally, you know, I, I, I wish things were different. I wish things were a lot more better, but they are they uh, continuously uh, are just running the the same game. I like to call it the same game. However, we're we're here for the positivity, not the negativity. I personally uh, never really thought this was anything much more. There's a lot of people that probably to this day are, are upset with me or. They are not agreeing with me or whatever the case may be. They probably even uh, disown me as a friend, as, as a confidant. But we have our opinion. We have our theory. Um, I'd like to go into it real quick. So one of the reasons why I'm doing this episode on the Burrito Radio Show is that uh, I used to be a combat medic. And being a combat medic in the United States military has its perks and disadvantages as well. Um, from there being a medic, I received medical training at the army back in 1988, 89. So receiving this medical training, some of these things stay with you forever and ever. You can't really forget them. So I'm pretty sure anybody else that's out there, it's a medical, 
what I call medical, combat medical, can kind of agree with me on some things. Um, the human anatomy is what they call a miracle. Uh, it's still a mystery how humans have really arrived to this point in day and time. Some people believe in the theory of the big boom, the big bang theory. Some people believe in, you know, God creating a heaven and the earth and all of a sudden we have this. Uh, some people say that this ice was all covered and all of a sudden organisms turned into humans and were able to walk on two and actually have a brain and a spine. Um, these kind of things are undeniable. Every uh, single person or animal that has a brain and a spine also has what they call a central nervous system. And this is uh, what I discovered. Uh, not in my, I take that back. I didn't discover it. I found the information that was out there and finding the information really pretty much turned me on to some, it clicked on and made connections to some other things that I came across um, during this uh, journey of my life. Now, coincidentally, when I used to use a lot of drugs back in the early 2000s, uh, it wasn't like doing drugs and partying. It was doing drugs and doing, doing crazy research, mad research. I noticed uh, reading about uh, Steve Jobs taking acid, LSD pretty much, and getting all super high, him and uh, the Steve Wozniak guy, whatever his name is, they used to do all this acid, listening to the Grateful Dead, putting together their little computer machine uh, and all these crazy gadgets that we have today. They started on LSD. So it was one of those moments where I did a lot of research and come to found out about something titled rare earth metals. Now, back in during my pedicab days, I used to bring this up to a lot of people about rare earth metals being uh, harmful to our bodies, the overexposure of them. Exposing me holding this cell phone right now as we speak uh, creates these rays that probably penetrate, according to the scientists now, penetrate our bodies and can't be filtered out. Now. When I read about that, it really turned me on to the point, well, if it doesn't filter out, then possibly people can get sick. Or maybe these are the cancerous tumors that we receive. Uh, this was back in 2000. Now, fast forward to my pedicab life. I came across a convention one year. It was a chem chemical convention. And this chemical convention had a bunch of chemistry professional professionals and students and and that weekend I was pretty excited because at that time I had some notes about all these things about rare earth metals. Rare earth metals is an inorganic uh, chemi chemi uh, chemical element on the uh, periodic table. The, according to the scientists that I came across, the students, there's, it could be way over 100, but they only list 17 on the periodic table, the rare earth metals. Sometimes they're called rare earth, rare earth elements. Now they're not rare in abundance, it's plentiful, and I think it's regenerative. It regenerates probably because it's plentiful, and the people that mine it, or the countries that mine it, I should say, would it be like countries like China, Japan, uh, uh, Korea. I mean, like the United States is just now getting into mining these rare earth elements, these rare earth metals, because they're pretty much radioactive, very radioactive. Not all of them, but a majority of them. And so because of their radioactivity, a lot of things have, uh, like I said, you're not, you're, what we're discounting is um, the, the rays that 
connect to the universe. The rays that connect to these satellites that are sitting into our atmosphere right now as we speak. And to be able to utilize this cell phone was not even, you know, imaginative like, you know, three, four hundred years ago. And that's when we're talking about, you know, uh, during the time period when, you know, it was way different than now, 300 years ago. So saying all this about the rare earth elements, the chemicals, the uh, central nervous system, it com combining this, exposing this, and knowing now that the central nervous system pretty much is our transmitter to our body. Our central nervous system will let our body know what's real, not what our brain wants to think. And so that's pretty much includes our breathing, our, our temperature, our body temperature. It includes our body movements. It includes um, our body motion. It includes um, what we say. What we, I mean, like, you know, these kind of uh, uh, transitional phrases, I should say, from the brain transmitted through the central nervous system to the rest of our body can cause problems can cause major problems uh, if somebody just goes and research it up and find out, you can pretty much see that they're very similar to the symptoms of this so-called, what I called a misdiagnosed problem. Uh, being that the central nervous system, once it gets wrecked, can actually have the body malfunction to the point where you're having seizures or you're having some type of other neurological situation that come across. These also can relate to too much mucus or unable to breathe properly in respiratory situations. So once again, the central nervous system, to me, in my opinion, is not being looked at fully as a, a strong possibility why all these things are happening. Um, it's unfortunate, though, if people have to say, well, you have to have a a doctor's degree or you have to be some type of qualified uh, a physician, politician or whatever. But for those that know, that do research on their own, that can really go find it and discover it, they already knew what was up already back in March. And so my theory has always been, well, I'll be one of the first ones to get this disease because I'm one of those anti-maskers. I'm one of the people that you know, I'm just gonna go out and do my thing. I can dress up like I'm homeless. Nobody's gonna mess with me. You know, I got my locks. Nobody's gonna really say too much to me. Uh, I feel uh, feel for those that are like, you know, that are, are have to take abuse from other people talking about, you gotta put on your mask. But realistically, all of this to me has been what I called um, somewhat planned. And they just kind of make no different than playing chess you just move as you, the, the counter moves come in. And the counter move being that everybody pretty much is content on flowing with this information, well then they can proceed on their next chess move. And that's all it is, it's just a game. And are we winning the game? And what side are we on? Are we, or are we not even wanting to be a part of this game or in another different game? So this is what we're talking about. The story of me being a combat medic, I got a couple stories. Uh, during my days as a combat medic. Uh, not to say that, like I said, I'm not uh, overly qualified to, to be a, what I call a, a professional, but what I am qualified for is to do research. And anybody's qualified to do research if they know what they're looking for and how to do it. And that's the problem that a lot of people out here that are talking, 
that don't know what they're talking about because anybody can be a research analyst and you don't have to have a degree to do that. So in the meantime, we're going to take a short pause for the cause, as I like to say on the Burrito Radio Show. We're out here in Dog Beach in the Ocean Beach area. The sun is actually just uh, set on the dusk. It's a very nice orange glow. If you can actually see it, it would be amazing. Uh, the citrus crowds are just kind of like, uh, has that little redness to it on the bottom area of that. So uh, what we're doing is we're, we're walking along the area of my birthplace, San Diego, California, A. We'll be back after these short messages. For those in search for inner peace, stop by Sacred Sun, Essentials for Life Balance. Just a short walk from the La Mesa trolley. Visit us at 8239 La Mesa Boulevard or call us at 619-467-7073 for more details. We're open from 10 a.m. to 5 p.m. Tuesdays through Saturdays, and we hope to see you soon. Hey man, it's that cash cow drip, and you already know. But you can go ahead and go to my Instagram page at cash cow fp. Go ahead and get the drip. Man, I'm with it. Left. You're listening to the Burrito Radio Show. Having troubles with your electronic products, including your cell phone, or maybe it's your laptop? Well, the Nerd Repair Center, located on El Cajon Boulevard, can help you out. Give them a call at 619-363-4210. They're located at 3829 El Cajon Boulevard. Their hours of operation are Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. connect ascend that's essentially what violet funk creations is all about and my name is Alyssa. i started violet funk and what we essentially do is make jewelry paint do art uh, art on clothes and our instagram is violet funk creations Welcome back to our episode of Storytime. Before I get into my story, I'd like to give a couple shout outs out there. Uh, much respect for the year, like I said, for helping us out in our progress. Uh, first shout out goes to my mother, Rose Taylor. She's out there really always supporting uh, my brothers. Uh, I'm talking about the chief, Obo, Roger out there in Atlanta. Um, my daughters, Shay, and 2B2. Yeah, we also have to give props out to my sister out there in Washington, D.C. Uh, big ups to Michael Reynolds out there in Enterprise, Alabama. 
And always much respect to Hip Hop Jason out here in San Diego. I also want to give props out there to some of my sponsors that really help out too. Um, you know, more than just, not just money, we're talking about just support. Uh, that would be Amethyst Moon, Amethyst Moon, um, the Nerd Repair Center, and also uh, Davia Art and Style. Gotta give a props up out to that. So, really appreciate all y'all. And if I didn't get a chance to mention you, we still, uh, you're definitely on our minds. I just don't have enough time on this episode. But it, I like to continue on with this, what I call story time. Story time. Uh, so we're talking about my combat medic days. So for, um, I would say back in 1988, they had the Seoul Olympics that was just and completed in Seoul. What so made it so weird was when I was in basic training, of course, naturally, you have to get a, a flu shot. And so I got a flu shot because you had to, I think. And... Um, during that flu shot, when I got the influenza shot, I got super sick in basic training, but I was able to make it out and I was able to station out there in San Antonio because uh, the majority of the medical personnel goes to San Antonio, Texas for medical training. Now, um, being in San Antonio, I was there during the, uh, during the winter season. And uh, so San Antonio and the winter season is not necessarily super hot. You know, that type of thing. The weather was kind of cool as far as, like, you know, not necessarily brutal. Um, being uh, back then, uh, Fort Sam Houston, which is where I was at, was an open base. So you can actually, anybody can walk in there and walk out freely. They had no, pretty much no gates. You had a little area that they told you that, you know, you're now on this base, but they had no official gates. So civilians could easily walk in there. So it made it kind of somewhat... Uh, easy for somebody like myself to do what I do. <laughs> so uh, the area also had like the, you know the little meat market where you go out there and you meet your you know get, get your little meat on like you know as far as who you're gonna meet you're gonna hook up with. They also had the E Club. You go out to the E Club for all the people that were stationed there or all the people that were civilians trying to link up and all that. So I was fortunate <laughs> to say. I was, uh, our, my, our barracks was on the corner edge of all the barracks, and I was on the top floor, on the fourth floor. And uh, one day there was this uh, youngster, he walked in on, the, I think it was my second night, my first night there, and all I heard was this dude talking, and he talked like he, he, talked like he was black. But he was kind of like, he was like a, like a yellow bone like dude. And so anyway, uh, his name was Floyd, and uh, pretty much me and Floyd and some other people, we all like pretty much just used to kind of like hang out. And so we would pretty much break curfew, hit the back stairs, go down, be in our civilian clothes, and then bam, we're at the E-Club. So being at the E-Club, you stay at the E-Club, you do your little party thing, trying to link up, party until whenever, and then all of a sudden you got to sneak back. <laughs> so sure enough, we sneak back upstairs, and next thing you know, we'd be back in our bunks. So at first, everything was cool. You know, the, the squad leader, I think he was like an E2, E3, whatever it was. He was like cool with it. He didn't say nothing. But then one day, he was tripping. He was big time tripping on us. Always like going out. Like, you know, we were just like pretty much 
like, you know, getting all like, well, let's go party, let's do it. <laughs> so one day he's gonna try to sweat me about doing something. Uh, I think it was about not making my bed up right or whatever. And so I said, hey man, that's made up right, you know what I'm saying? And so when we passed inspection, during the inspection, he went and kind of blabbered off that some of us were sneaking out the barracks. So they took two of the people that we used to hang out with, took them, moved them to a whole new dorm, and I was on close watch. And so being that I was on close watch, you know, I kind of like still try to do my thing. Um, it just was more difficult. So I got punished for uh, extra duty because the, the captain called me into the office. Um, no, let me take that back. What happened was it was towards the end of our uh, basic training days, I mean, uh, AIT days, and um, we were having a party, but I wasn't partying. I was just kind of kicking. I didn't have to go out anywhere. Um, yeah, that, that was what it was. That's what it was. And uh, so, so it's trying to kind of dart my memory back. So before the, no, it was before that, before it ended, when that, when, when that happened, when the, 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 the squad leader put me on notice, I got called into the captain's office. He wanted to give me an article 15, but I didn't sign it. So I said, I non-concur. I don't know what you're talking about. So when I say I non-concur, that's when I got the extra duty. And after I got the extra duty, I was going to request to go to Germany instead of Korea, but he denied that request. So then I'm on my way to Korea for my medical, after my medical training. But I had a lot of fun out there in San Antonio. It was like one of those kind of places where, you know, you go out there and you see, you know, what few black people are out there and just kind of kick it and relax and, and just kind of enjoy the, the moment of time. Um, a lot of friendly people, of course, in Texas. Um, just what it, just what happened during the time period of me being where I was, I did not, I missed the next vaccine, vaccine, vaccine or something like that. I missed some type of test, so I got held back and I didn't leave on time. So I ended up leaving San Antonio in the month of February. Yeah, or it was like, yeah, like late February. And so when I got to Korea, it was one of those things where I was already listed as one of those people that like to be like kind of like slick and just try to like party a little bit. So, but we're gonna take a quick break. Like I said, it was my days in uh, San, in San Antonio. You know, it was just, it was like, it was fun. I had a great time. <laughs> uh, and I do recommend to go, to go see the Alamo. But we're gonna take a short break. Uh, this is the Burrito Radio Show. I'm your host, 2B1 Energy. We'll be back with story time. What's going on, everybody? This is Walter Ford, one third of the Activated Podcast. That is T A A C I T I V A T E D Podcast. You can find us on uh, Spotify, Google Play, iTunes, anywhere where you get your podcasts at, and on YouTube. Fresh food for the fresh body. What goes in fresh comes out healthy. Be sure to visit your local farmer's market. And trust me, 
you'll feel much better. Hello, this is Ricky Elliott. I work under the umbrella of Prime America. And what we do is we teach families to earn more income, become properly protected, debt-free, and financially independent. My contact information is 619-867-1053. 2B1 has a game called None is Perfect Billiards. It is a game based on points, stroke play pretty much. Uh, you get to find out what your score would be in comparison to the pros. It's one of the better games that's out there and it's new and fresh for the 21st century. If you'd like to be on the players list or participate in one of the games or videos, contact None is Perfect Billiards at nipbilliards at gmail.com. Get on the players list and take part in the fun today. Yo, 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 this is Bun the Poet and you know it. And you listening to the Burrito Radio Show. Okay, my bad for making that one look kind of like a short, uh, short uh, segment. Uh, I had to, had to go, y'all. You know how it goes. You gotta go, you gotta go. And um, so getting back to being a combat medic. So the training that we, we received was pretty much basic EMT training. Uh, you know, you got to learn about how to do the vital signs. You learned about uh, doing assessments, writing out uh, the reports for the doctors, for the MDs to, to make sure that you get the assessment right. You know, um, learning the terminologies, uh, learning how to do IVs, of course. Uh, everything you had to do uh, pretty much was EMT uh, on the spot. You had to know uh, different aspects about if uh, there was a gunshot wound, uh, triage, you had to, f to figure out in the battlefield is triage is different than in the hospital. Triage in the battlefield is whoever can go out there and actually keep on doing it. And for those that can't do it or they're almost gonna die, you have to give them some morphine and you just pump them up with some morphine and say, you know what, man, you know, that's just you know, the way it goes. Um, it's kind of, uh, you kind of have to have what I call a, like a, you can't really be too emotional or too afraid in a, and that's what they teach you. Um, the one thing that kind of like stands out though during those days of taking up training is that, and this is what kind of turned me off about what we were talked about in that first segment uh, with the, uh, with the 2020 uh, virus thing, is that doctors don't know that much. I mean, they, they, the doctors, as far as, no, let me take that back. They know a lot, but the doctors don't know as much as we think they know. In other words, they rely on our assessment abilities for them to get it right. If my assessment is wrong, and they go and doing the wrong thing because my assessment is wrong, then of course, naturally, they're gonna take the blame, but I'm gonna be at fault for doing the wrong assessment. And so what we do is we give them kind of like a key elements. The vital signs are very, very key. Um, and that's what taught me about 
about people's health. You know, you make sure that their vital signs are, are, are up to par. And sure enough, you have uh, what I call a situation where you can pretty much figure it out. Um, especially, so, so for example, if you have some type of uh, stomach pain or heart pain, uh, you know, if you have these kind of pains and I don't write the assessment down correctly, the doctor's gonna go looking for something that I wrote down, but at least that's how it was back then. Now, during the time period now, like I said, uh, you know, they have maybe different protocols, of course, in hospitals and stuff like that, but out there and doing some field training, it's a little bit different. You have to do some quick thinking, quick, quick assessment on your feet and assess, assess the situation and act accordingly. So if a, if a soldier needed uh, help right away and you have to call in the medevac, you have to do so. So here's a good example of what I'm talking about, okay? So uh, when I arrived in Korea, um, they, we, they were on what they call teen spirit. And that's when the whole entire second ID, I think it's called still second ID, uh, was, goes on these training missions for about a month. And we happened to arrive in Korea in the middle of March. I want to say I got there in the middle of March. And so could have been February. In the meantime, they're doing Teen Spirit, and they're gone on there doing whatever. And uh, as uh, as they're gone, we are just pretty much just doing, you know, cleaning up. We're not doing anything anything medical, just cleaning up, picking up, you know, making sure the A station's, you know, correct. But, but when they got back, when they got back, you know, that's when I met this man called Sergeant Bernard. Sergeant Bernard. And uh, Sergeant Bernat, he was like one of these kind of like super mean people. Like, you know, he's one of the meanest, nastiest, spit coming out your mouth, didn't take no, no shorts from nobody. And he was a workout-aholic, just nothing but workout. So sure enough, uh, as we, uh, he comes back in, everything, you know, we, before he got there, everything was like, you know, hotel living and stuff. But when he got there, all of a sudden it turned into the military. So the first thing he did was when they got back, first sergeant said, okay, we're gonna just do a little small training. You guys did great at Team Spirit. And so just a little small run, you know. But Bernat, he wasn't like that. He said, okay, you guys come in your boots, right? And we're gonna run in our boots and make sure you bring water with canteen. And so Sure enough, there's like 35 of us, 40 of us out there, and we're running in the rice paddies in our boots, just running and running and running and running and running. I think we ran like about six miles that day in our boots, and we just running and running and running. We didn't do any push-ups or sit-ups. <laughs> we just did running in our boots. And towards the end, we get to this one rice paddy where it's like a muddy, sloshy stuff. And so Bernard stops us and says, okay, everybody take a drink of water out your canteen. So about three or four of us didn't have water, and I was one of them. And so I'm pretending like I'm drinking water, but I'm over here dying, right? And he's like, you didn't, drink, you didn't bring your water? And I was like, man, I didn't know he was going to be running like this. And so enough, he takes the canteen, hits me over the helmet with it, bam, throws it in the mud and told me to low crawl to go get it. And so I had a little low crawl to go get this canteen that was empty of no water because... As a medic, I'm supposed to know that the importance of drinking water for a soldier. And that was the punishment. Now, it sounds kind of cruel that what he did. It sounds kind of crazy, actually. Um, that was just a little bit. Of, uh, but in the meantime, yeah, Bernard, 
hit me upside the head with the canteen and threw it out. And what I wasn't the only one. He did it to these other guys too. And so we had a little crawl in the mud of the lesson of making sure we bring water for our troops. Because, you know, that's one of those things where you, you I mean, like, you know, water's important to stay hydrated. You need to keep the soldiers in fighting mode. Yeah, us combat medics also had to do training where we had to give each other IVs. Instead of doing uh, PT, we would just practice on giving each other IVs. Uh, there were some people better than others. Uh, I remember there was this one man who actually had to stick me four times because he could not find the vein. That's what we had to go through as combat medics. And so that's the example about Sergeant Minot being uh, as uh, hardcore as he was. Uh, somebody that, like I said, just, I mean, sometimes you would think, like, how sick and sadistic is this dude? Super sick and sadistic. Um, he would just, just, it would just nothing but like, be workout. So we'd wake up, five-something in the morning, and go train for, like, about an hour and a half, do all these push-ups, sit-ups, and go run, and go run anywhere between 2 to 12 miles. So sometimes it'd be 2, those are the good days. But sometimes to be 12, those were not so good days. <laughs> that was somebody like myself who was a heavyweight, overweight, and it wasn't very fun. And so I would throw up on these runs all the time. I would just like vomit and throw up. But it was like a lesson and you're getting in shape and you're putting your mind through a whole different aspect about knowing about how to take care of your body. And so going through all this uh, put me in a different mindset. I started to get a little bit leaner and meaner and started to understand that this is a serious thing that they do here in the military. It's not really for jokes. They train you to make sure that you know what you're doing and you're doing it properly. And that's the thing about being a combat medic. It wasn't just about uh, low crawling in the mud. It was actually doing the training. When you go out there and you're you know, playing the simulation roles, you know, you're out there and the rain, sleet, sun, hot sun, whatever the elements are, and you're out there uh, with, instead of being with all medics, now you're attached to a bunch of people that you don't know, that you haven't, uh, you know, you're just attached to them for a short time period, and all they can know is as you, they just call you doc, and say, hey doc, hey doc, what up doc, da da da. And so you're the doctor of their unit, and they rely on you to make sure that they're taken care of medically and ready to fit for, the, for their mission. And, to me, that, that was like, you know, it was like one of those things where you got some respect as being a combat medic rather than somebody that was a, a you know, less meaning, you know, less importance. Um, unfortunately, with the grunts, not to say they're not important, but they're pawns on the chessboard in the game of life. And whether they like it or they know it or not, but it's, they're just used as, as you know, as, as anything else. To, for their for somebody else's game, somebody else's entity, and so as a combat medic, um, that during that time period, it was like uh, it was like a whole new learning thing. Uh, you know, something being introduced, meeting a whole different characters, meeting a whole different like uh, being in Korea was a whole different type of life than being in the United States. So there's nothing nothing similar to the United States than to Korea. Not except for maybe they have they have the same things, but the smells different, the roads are different, the people are different, <laughs> the food is different. <laughs> I walked into uh, a place in Korea 
place called Itaewon. If you ever go to uh, Korea, go to Itaewon. And in Itaewon, you can go there anytime and never closes. The party's always on. There's never a time period where they're not partying. Uh, even during this pandemic, I, I guess, I don't know, it's a plan, it's a plan thing. Um, they're probably still partying in Itaewon. Itaewon is a, so as when we go there, we go to a couple places and they have this table, a table full of, uh, of, of bowls, these bowls full of snails, a bowl full of cockroaches without the tentacles. And, and they wanted you know, say, it was like, a, you know, like, a, you know, hey, try one. I was like, nah, <laughs> but my friend did from the South. He was like, I'll try one. And he tried to sip out the little snail and he crunched on the cockroach. He's like, the snail wasn't that bad, but he said, who won't do the cockroach again? <laughs> I was like, I'm not doing it either. Man. I can't do that. But no, the, the, the traditions and the things they have out there are, are way different than out here in the United States. So uh, Itaewon, it's a party place, easy to pick up girls. Uh, I remember I picked up this one lady just because I gave her a flower at uh, four o'clock in the morning. Next thing you know, at about seven o'clock in the morning, we're butt naked in a little small room uh, in a place in Korea, and I'm over here just, you know, doing what doing what people do. <laughs> hey, you guys, we're over here at uh, Marcella June's Coffee Lounge. Our address is eight five one three La Mesa Boulevard. We sell uh, herbal medicine and coffee and tea, and we're working on a lot of community projects uh, to get some massage therapy going in with all this. Um, you can reach us at 619-504-9494. Uh, we're open Monday through Friday again. Please come on by. Thank you very much. This is Terry from Amethyst Moon. We're located at 8329 La Mesa Boulevard in the middle of the village. Our phone number is 619-464-MOON. Please give us a call if you have any questions. We have new store hours this week, 11 a.m. to 6 p.m. Tuesday through Saturday. We hope to see you soon in the village. Have you ever wondered how the pedicab industry got started? You know the guys and gals that travel people around town? Well, purchase the book Pedicab Hearsay, available on Amazon.com, both electronic and hard copy. Get the stories today. That's, uh, that's Korea in a nutshell as far as like um, Seoul. I mean like, you know, there was another beautiful lady by the name of Sunny. Never forget Sunny. Sunny like, you know, turned me out. At the same time, you know, I, uh, you can only turn out somebody if they got money. <laughs> I didn't have any money, so. So, but no, Sunny was a great time. That was a great time. Um, as far as like getting back into the medical portion of it, uh, I know that uh, there was time periods when 
you'll be out there in your track vehicles and it'd be so cold out there. I mean, just like unbearable cold. Your whole body is cold, cold, cold because this vehicle's cold and you don't have any heat and they didn't fix the heater and you happen to have a track vehicle that don't have a heater. Anybody don't know what a track vehicle is, it's kind of like it looks like a tank, but it's not a tank. It's just it's a version, more smaller version and they have like M60s mounting up the big guns, uh, M60s or the uh, 45 caliber. Anyway, um, those those uh, vehicles get so cold. Man, it gets so cold. Um, and also uh, the characters, getting back to the characters, uh, there was a character by the name of Smitty from West Virginia. He's uh, another one that kind of like put me on this, like, okay, I gotta tell this story. So Smitty over here, like, you know, he's a, he's a higher rank, he's like an E4. I think I was uh, still E2 or E3 or whatever at the time. And, um, you know, he's the driver, I'm just the helper. And so you have to do these different hand signals to direct the, the you know, the drivers because the drivers can't always see. So they utilize the hand signals, no different than any uh, airplane uh, traffic, uh, traffic controllers. Anyway, so I'm out here and I'm like telling them, I'm saying, hey man, there's a little, you have a, the pan's not on the little thing. I think you might wanna, you know, put that pan on before you move this vehicle. And he didn't really talk too well. Being from West Virginia, he just goes, no, nah, it's gonna be okay. I think it's gonna be okay. It's gonna be okay. Let's go on this one. Let's move it. And I'm like, man, are you sure you wanna move this man? Because like, you have a little leak going right now. And I don't think you should move this. I think you need to put this on. He's like, I don't know. It's gonna be okay. We're gonna put it on there. And I was like, right, whatever, okay. So as he starts moving, he starts moving the little track vehicle as it's moving, all this oil is just spilling all over the motor pool. The oil is just tracking like a big old like track of black oil just going like this and then taking a curve as he's curving it around and a motor pool sergeant just comes out screaming and yelling and cursing and all this other stuff and I'm like hey man he's the one man I'm over here trying to tell him he was like you both of you and all of a sudden next thing you know guess who we have to go see sergeant Bernat and we had to go see Bernat and so Bernat is going to punish me for listening to this fool from West Virginia talking about man don't you ever do that ever again. Listen to somebody who you know. In other words, I got in trouble for not for following orders because I was told that you have to follow orders. So he's a higher rank. So I was like, man, man. But I got in trouble for not overriding that stupidity of a you know whatever. And I, he said I should have went to go get somebody else of higher power to override him since he wouldn't listen. And so that was a hard lesson. I had to do some extra, of course, extra exercising for that one. Extra running, extra push-ups, extra, 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 you know. So, um, but yeah, Sergeant Bernard, he, he ringed us out for that one. Um, I, the motor, but these kind of incidences were just, you know, they were typical, like character driven. Like, you know, there was this one character, one of my favorite characters in the military, goes by the name of Stacy Lumbang. If he's ever out there, get in touch with me. Uh, 2v1 Energy like to get you on this new pool table game that I got called None is Perfect Billiards. In the meantime, Stacy is the one who actually pumped me up when it came down to being a, a musician 
or playing billiards. Uh, he did both very well. He went and bought himself a bass guitar and was teaching me about some things, about some people, about uh, certain riffs and all these things that he could do. And, you know, he talk, talking about Lewis Johnson and Marcus Miller and Clark and, and all these, and Jaco Pastore. I had never heard of Jaco Pastore prior to Stacey Lumbang and he was telling me about, you know, Victor Wooten and, you know, all these great bass players that I was just like kind of in armor that he even knew about being that Stacey was what they call a half breed. He was half Filipino and half Mexican. And so, um, so he was like, uh, he was like an inter interesting character to the point where he was like five foot five, had a missing tooth because he got jumped for sleeping with these, with this, with uh, one of his friend's sisters. And so his, uh, the brothers jumped him and he lost his tooth. Anyway, Stacy, he, he's definitely a character, uh, probably to this day. Um, he uh, also also would teach me about being a hustler, and he's the one that taught me about hustling on the pool table. Not that I'm a hustler, but he's the one that really kind of showed me a lot of things about the, the, the pool table, the billiards table, about certain things that you do, certain strategies, uh, you know, certain ways to actually capitalize on your opponent's mistakes. Um, and he always wanted to bet me, even though I never wanted to bet him because I already knew I would lose. And so finally, uh, on his last day in town, we played for a beer because he wanted to bet me that he couldn't put me what they call a 700 club. 700 club is when a person breaks and runs out without the other player, person shooting a shot, being that you know all the balls are on the table. So that's what happened, and I bought him a beer. And I appreciate everything he did in teaching me about the game of billiards as well as the musical part of playing bass guitar. Uh, props to Stacy Lumbang out there. Also, um, we got Peter Parker, his roommate. Parker was from uh, Cincinnati. I always find it weird for a person to be named Peter Parker, but you know, it was, he was another cool person. Um, uh, also, there was another person by the name of Giles out there. He was the one where he would get the ganja and then they would, we would, they would uh, come and knock on my door so we could smoke in my room because Giles' roommate wouldn't let him smoke. So next thing you know, <laughs> we out here smoking in, in, the, uh, in, my, in my room, in the bathroom with the, with the shower on, the shower's turned on and all the steam's coming up. We're smoking the ganja and stuff, getting lit up. Uh, you know, that, those are you know, those are some good times back then. Um, my roommate uh, back then was a person from Florida by the name of Newman. He's the one uh, that pretty much turned me into a clean freak because he was a super clean freak. Told me I didn't have to do anything. He cleaned everything. Said he had like four sisters and they all just was in the cleaning. So I was living on Easy Street. All I had to do was pay uh, Odyssey, uh Mr. Hahn, my little money to do my laundry and my boots and make up my bed. Newman took care of the room. Giles brought in the ganja. Man, I mean, I was just like saying, yeah, this is all right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I just got to get used to some of this food out here. The food out there in Korea, woo, man. Uh, you learn about the kimchi right away, especially when you get that soju, soju juice in you. In the meantime, those stories kind of like can go on and on and on. Um, one last one I like to get in before I call it and wrap it up. Uh, there was a time period when... Uh, when this, uh, we're, I'm over here when I first got to, to, to Korea and and we're doing like, you know, doing the lawn outside, taking and, and cutting down the hedges. And sure enough, 
uh, one of our uh, one of our soldiers, no, one a soldier, one one of the troops from another from another company runs down and sprints down to the aid station. So as they sprint down, we're kind of like looking and stuff. You know, me and a couple other people that were there, we're looking, and all of a sudden, uh, they smashed out in the ambulance. Now it was a think a picture a, a Humvee. Right, like no different than a Humvee that you see on the street, but more built like for an ambulance rather than so, something on the street. So this Humvee just takes off up to the gun range where a Korean soldier tried to actually commit suicide. And he, the, what he did was the Korean soldier walked out with his live rounds with the M16 in the middle of the, of the range, took the M16, placed it underneath his chin and then pull the trigger. When he pulled the trigger, it caused a massive hole underneath his chin and actually had an exit wound coming out the top of the bridge of his nose. When he had the top of the bridge of his nose, he actually missed the second time and fell backwards and he was gargling and gargling and he was still conscious by the time he came to the A station. When he came to the A station, he's gargling and he's choking and he, he's having, you know, these, and it, there's nobody above the rank of E4 in the A station at this time. Uh, it was one of those crazy situations. And so um, we saw the ambulance coming in, just bum rush in there. And so we stopped working and, you know, us privates, we just kind of like walked into the room, like, what's going on? What's going on? And we we're trying to figure out what's going on, right? Because we didn't know what happened at that time. And so. I'm looking through the window, all of a sudden they bust in, they point at me and say, you, come here, hold down his legs. And so here I am, I gotta come down and hold down this man's legs. And as I'm holding down his legs, he's twisting and turning and he's gargling and he's choking on his own blood. And so as he's choking on his own blood, he's gargling and all of a sudden, uh, the E4 is trying to get the IV in him and try to like, you know, figure out to do the IV first, right? And so, they're trying, we're trying to hold him down, but they can't hold him down. He's just like, you know, still gargling, but they miss. And so by the time that came in, that was a second time. And so now they got uh, a few more tries, so they try a third time and they miss. And by that time, they had already called the doctor to come down and bum rush it down there. So the doctor finally bum rushes down there, him and Sergeant Bernat. Uh, Sergeant Bernat was the E7, by the way. So Bernat and the doctor, so Bernat, he takes out the sucking machine and he's like trying to calm the person down. He's being totally opposite the way he normally is, being nice and soothing. And he takes the gargling machine. And uh, as he's like sucking the blood to make sure he doesn't choke, doctor comes in and finally gets the IV in, wrapped up the IV. Uh, they do a quick analysis. They, they send in the, uh, air, uh, the helicopter air vac, the, heli the air vac to the closest hospital emergency room that can really deal with the situation. So next thing you know, we roll them out when the helicopter comes in and we push them in on the gurney and we push them and throw them in. And next thing you know, the helicopter takes off, right? And we're just, and we're like, oh man, that was something else. And we're sitting down and Sergeant Bernard said, you know what, Howard, man, these people don't even know how to blank, blank kill themselves. <laughs> You're not supposed to put it under your chin. You're supposed to put it on top of your head or in your mouth. On top of you said no he said in your mouth put it in your mouth and you definitely will kill yourself he said, he said that's how stupid people are and i couldn't believe sergeant Bernard would say that but he did <laughs> and in the meantime uh you know he ended up actually we end up saving his life he ended up uh living without a tongue 
for the rest of his life. They end up discharging him out of the Korean military. He was a Korean soldier who was not happy about being in the military for the Korean side. Um, so it's like one of those things where you have to kind of stay calm when you're doing medical training. Uh, you know, it was definitely an experience for me that I'll never forget to this day about, you know, how this person was squirming. We had to hold him down and the whole action that took place. But this is a... Uh, this is like part of life. When you go through life experiences, it kind of teach you a lot of things. And so, like I said, I, don't, I might not be a doctor or whatever, but I do have some knowledge when it comes down to, to some certain medical things. And so I, I feel like, in my opinion, you know, the body heals itself. We don't necessarily need doctors as much as we think we do. Uh, we just have to learn how to take the pain of getting aging and our bodies actually getting uh, much more uh, crickety. I feel like the nutritional things that the scientists have put out there is more of a jack move more than something that's better, best for us. It's like somebody's getting paid because they drop down the price so everybody can just go out there and buy it instead of doing it themselves. Uh, it's not hard to make uh, tomato sauce. You just take some tomatoes and you put it in a pot and you throw some seasoning in it and just let it simmer for a long time after you dice it up. But, you know, a lot of people don't want to do that anymore. Um, it's not hard to make beans. You take the beans, you put them in a pot, let it, you know, sit in a pot, and you turn it on really low, and next thing you know, you got some beans to eat, but nobody wants to do that anymore. I feel like the laziness in our society has gotten us into the situation of where we're just don't even want to research anything and we just rely on things that such as social media or somebody else saying something instead of just trying to go and verify it for yourself so but yeah this is a 2b1 energy this has been an interesting um uh you know interesting uh, episode to close out the year of 2020 I want to thank, like I said, some people, uh, you know, the people out there that really got my back on, you know, uh, another person I'd like to mention would be uh, James and Cindy, uh, Ionessa they, and Ziggy and their parents. Uh, they've really helped out a lot. Uh, Mark, Marco, Marcos Carvajal has helped out quite a bit. Uh, Puerto Rico, Puerto Rico and Betty Tinoco and Dr. Eight Ball and... Uh, Linda Fish and um, you know there's so many people like I said that really have got my back over the over this past year past couple of years on doing this uh, journey that I'm on and anybody out there like I said that wants to really get down with my pool table game called Nunda's Perfect Billiards please send me a message I need some players and so we can like have some fun uh, find out what your score is compare it with others and uh, you know let's try try to get a little bit more sociable for real instead of just on the computer. I feel like that's something that's needed and for the next, you know, for the rest of our lives if possible. Because that's where it's at, you know, to learn about each other's, uh, learn about each other in a real fashion rather than from a computerized fashion. So this is 2B1 Energy on the Burrito Radio Show. We'll see you out in 2020. Actually, you'll hear us in 2021. Respect on the oneness of Yahweh. It's still one motion, so ride the wave of life.